You are now listening to Breakthrough News. It's 5 p.m. You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. Yes, that's right. We are back on the Punch-Out! 119-2021 Tuesday. We were off yesterday for the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. holiday in the United States. Hopefully everyone had a good King holiday who is, well, and if you're in a country where it is even celebrated, nevertheless, hopefully everyone had a great day yesterday. Very happy to be back with you here on The Punch Out, and we will be with you today, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as we always are. Some of the things we are hitting on today, mass protest, rocking Tunisia. Yes, that's right, the epicenter of the Arab Spring, as it were. Folks are back in the streets there. We're going to tell you a little bit more. Yes, there is more about some of the corporations behind the Stop the Steal movement and, quite frankly, how a lot of the people claiming that they're no longer giving money to these various fascist, semi-fascist, and 'er ne'er-do-well type forces while they're basically lying about stopping their financial support. So we'll expose them for that. But before we get to that, we want to start with some criminalization of protests. Yes, a consistent theme in 2020, still a consistent theme in 2021. One. Well, as you know, most of the talk these days is about people being arrested uh, in regards to this mob that was at the Capitol. Who are they getting arrested? What are they getting arrested for? So since there's a lot of talk about people getting arrested, they would say for a protest. Obviously, I would not call that a protest, but you see what I'm doing there. Nevertheless, we thought it would be good to remind you that the criminalization of protesters, progressive people, not you know, ridiculous fascists trying to assassinate Congress people, but progressive people fighting against police terrorism, the criminalization of protesters for doing nothing at all, really, other than saying Black Lives Matter, it seems, it's still moving forward apace. There's a range of things we could talk about, but really quickly, I just want to say, hopefully you saw our documentary that premiered this past Saturday, In Defense of Justice in Denver. If not, check that out ASAP on our YouTube page, In Defense of Justice in Denver. It's a story of how organizers are facing up to six 60 years in prison, up to 60 years in prison for the crime of protesting. I know if you haven't heard this, you're saying, well, that is unbelievable. Well, it's really happening. Go to our YouTube page, check out In Defense of Justice in Denver. Sadly, these sorts of trumped-up charges are becoming increasingly prevalent all around the country in the wake of last summer's uprising against racism. And recently, this issue has reared its ugly head uh, in both Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and Phoenix, Arizona. Let's start with Pittsburgh here. Recently... Towards the end of last week, charges were refiled against 24 activists by the Allegheny County District Attorney. Now, I just wanted you to note this. They refiled the charges because the first time they brought the charges, the case was so shoddy, it was so bad, the DA actually dropped it and said that it was, and this is a quote, badly lacking. 
badly lacking any actual evidence. Now, the charges have been refiled last week by the Pittsburgh police, allegedly at the behest of the Democratic mayor, Bill Peduto, although his office is claiming that that might not be the case. They have refiled the cases, and at least so far, they are going to go forward. What are these people charged with? Failure to disperse. Failure to disperse. And it's clear what's behind them, and it's an attempt to criminalize protest. The demonstration in question, people were just marching along. It was entirely legal. All of a sudden, they're in the midst of a bunch of cops, and they get arrested after the protest is brutally break, broken up. Now, there was a curfew in Pittsburgh that day. It was during the wider uprising that was happening. That curfew was 8, 8.30. The police decided to break up this peaceful, totally legal protest at 7 o'clock. So an hour before, they used flashbangs. They were using smoke, uh, tear gas. They're pepper spraying people directly in the face who are leaving. They're using LRADs, which is like a sound weapon. Uh, all these terrible things, even though there was nothing there. So obviously, they want to get these people on the failure to disperse so they can make it easier for them to do the same thing, which is just randomly disperse demonstrations brutally whenever they want under some spurious claim. So just also want to note quickly before we move on to Phoenix, uh, both the mayor and the DA here are Democrats. So it is not just Republicans. It's not just Republicans. Now in Phoenix, where they are Republicans, you've got a similar situation at play. The DA there uh, is 15 people that were arrested at a demonstration where the police randomly, and this is actually last year, so again, they're bringing up these old cases. Um, they had arrested these 15 people at a demonstration. Police also just randomly closed in on the demonstration and arrested people for no reason at all. I mean, you can even you see, there's a video of it. They're, they're asking people to comply with their orders to get down on the ground. People are complying with the order. But nevertheless, they have all these absurd charges thrown on them. One of them was an assaulting a police officer charge related to someone allegedly, you know, digging their nail into someone's thumb while being arrested. But I'm, I mean, it's just, they're treating that like some sort of crazy, violent assault. Um, they're very serious charges, including uh, riots and then other charges related to blocking streets. So the charges were already totally out of whack with whatever happens. It's just 20 people marching on a street who are just randomly arrested. That's what happened. But the authorities have upped the ante this week by adding charges of assisting a criminal street gang but the only evidence they have to support that is that all 15 people had umbrellas and that at some time, somewhere, allegedly, they had used the phrase, all cops are bastards. That's it. That's all they had. They had umbrellas and they one time said a phrase. That's it. They've been declared a gang. <laughs> There's a lot more that can be said. <laughs> but look, really? Umbrellas and a phrase. That's it. So it's clear what's happening here in Phoenix as well. The cops are attempting to find ways to easily criminalize protesters. So if they can find things like protest tactics, i.e. bringing umbrellas to uh, deal with tear gas, or, you know, phrases like, you know, in this case, all cops are bad, but why not Black Lives Matter? I mean, why not anything that you can say, well, these people are some violent gang, then that gives them sort of the pre-existing notion that this is some sort of criminal conspiracy, which then gives them the excuse for breaking up and arresting and dispersing demonstrations because they can treat it as some, you know, big, violent, anti-gang, anti-terrorist, whatever they want to call it, sort of reality and not what it really is, which is cracking down on peaceful protests. That's what it's about. That's why these absurd charges are being leveled on people. They want to win, or at least win something so that they can use that precedent to shut down protest. Now, of course, 
very telling in the uh, light of what we saw at the Capitol with the mob, the kid gloves, treatment that people got beyond a double standard. But beyond that issue, we just truly need to be on alert here. That in, I don't want to say all jurisdictions, but it feels like almost all the jurisdictions across the country, politicians of both major parties in league with the cops and the district attorneys are going out of their way to attempt to limit the ability of people to protest, to criminalize social movements, and to use arrests and imprisonments on bogus charges to disrupt the leadership of these movements that are demanding justice for the victims of police terrorism, which in a way should give you a sense of how effective the movement really has been since they want to crush it and suppress it so badly, but B, it marks an important escalation from the forces who want nothing to fundamentally change, and it must be fought. Now, one thing that we have been continually highlighting for you here in the Punch-Out has been the fact that this far-right mob at the Capitol and its various congressional and White House enablers are not some grassroots force or whatever, but are deeply embedded in a network created by and cultivated by billionaires and people with hundreds of millions of dollars. Now, this, of course, become even more clear as various corporations have been at deep pains to try to distance themselves from the politicians they've been backing for decades who are behind this BS attempt to steal the election. However, all the corporate PR about how the various companies are now going to do the right thing, as opposed to, I guess, admitting that they were doing the wrong thing, is it's really just a smoke and mirrors situation. It's a look over there while we do something over here. Because the reality is, is the corporate PAC funding that a lot of these corporations are saying they are uh, pausing or whatever, reconsidering, is not even how the majority of money gets to politicians, which is now these big, huge, dark money groups, uh, not these corporate PACs and individual donations by super rich people um, that own and represent these corporations. But basically, the biggest issue here is that the dark money is not being touched really at all. And dark money is exactly that, right? Like, people don't know exactly who gives to what or what's the relationship, but we do know some things. And we know that a lot of the, the entities that get this money get them from not political nonprofits that have to tell you at least something about who gives them money. So take, for instance, CVS Health, which is one of these companies saying they're going to look at things differently. They give a million dollars in the 2020 cycle through their corporate PAC. However, in 2019 alone, they gave $9.6 million to political nonprofits, including the One Nation group affiliated with the Republican leadership. So they're saying they're reconsidering their PAC funding, but what will that really matter if they still keep huge amounts flowing into uh, these so-called nonprofits, political nonprofits? profits and other dark money entities that can do even more to hide where the funding is coming from. So you can see right there from Jump Street what's happening. They are maybe potentially cutting off one way of funding politicians while leaving the back door wide open to continue funding the exact same people. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce, that's one of these groups that takes in this corporate money. They took in about $8 million all told last year. They used that money to fund a range of people, including some of those who backed this fraudulent stealing of the election, like Roger Marshall, uh, who I believe comes from Kansas, but there are others as well. And they say, well, look, we're going to reconsider some of this uh, funding. We're going to stop uh, for a brief period of time. And some of these members, we're maybe never going to give to them again. But they never say who or for how long they're pausing, or even what the substance of their reevaluation is. So again, you can see what's happening there. The American Bankers Association, that's another one of these groups, also just vaguely saying that they are reconsidering their donations, but not that they're going to stop them, and not even talking about exactly who they may or may not be reconsidering, uh, reconsidering and not speaking in any way, shape, or form about donating to many of these political nonprofits, which, by the way, it's important to note, they don't necessarily 
promote themselves as pass-throughs to politicians. So you can give money to them and act like you're just supporting some cause when they're turning around and supporting these same politicians. So ultimately, you can see it's a workaround. So all these corporations, everyone trying to distance themselves from the various fraudulent attempts to overturn the election, while at the same time doing everything they possibly can to preserve their own influence. And it's really not that hard to understand. I mean, when you think about the corporate agenda, which is basically to do whatever they possibly can to put profit before people at all costs, regardless of what the cost of that may be, whether it be mass hunger, impoverishment, and early death, or whatever, they're all for it as long as it increases their profit margins. And unsurprisingly, that <laughs> these policies are not very popular. So they're looking to fund people who are willing to openly defend these sorts of policies, whoever they may be, whatever party they may be in, and whatever else they're talking about. These are deliberately cultivated political constituencies by the ultra-rich, not some grassroots movement of angry Americans. And of course, that's why the corporations want the distance. They know they are responsible in the first place for these hard-right, far-right, fascistic, semi-fascistic, whatever you want to call it, policies that has risen in this country. It never would have happened without big business, big billionaires, and big corporations. And now they want to act like it's not their fault while also continuing to do the same thing. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, well, you know the rest. Tunisia, the North African country that was at the center, the epicenter of the Arab Spring protests has been rocked by large protests the past few nights. Working class neighborhoods in particular have erupted in anger about the state of the economy and the heavy-handed government repression that has been happening throughout the pandemic and which is unfortunately somewhat similar to a lot of the things that helped kick off the Arab Spring. Protesters in particular have been demanding more jobs and lower prices on critical commodities. Tunisia has had near Nearly 6,000 deaths from COVID-19. There's about 11 million people in the country. And the government has, sadly, like many other governments, including the United States, been conducting its lockdowns and various, various other policies without any real serious form of economic assistance to people. Meaning that not only is the pandemic t uh, terrible, but that people's just basic everyday living situation is getting worse and worse uh, as things continue to go on. An already challenging situation being made increasingly dire. And the current protest started on Saturday after a video emerged of the police beating a shepherd, which of course invoked the images of police brutality against street vendors that played a huge role in the 2011 uprising that kicked off the Arab Spring all across the region. And that in and of itself is quite the statement. Despite the fact that this massive struggle took place and that very needed changes in opening up the political environment took place in Tunisia and a few other countries, the forces that have become politically incendent have not challenged the underlying economic reality of these countries and thus have been unable to resolve the issues like unemployment that played a major role in the Arab Spring in the first place. That's an important lesson. It's one thing to overthrow this or that political regime. And by one thing, it can often be a good thing. But it's another thing entirely to change the underlying economic and social structure that underpins the various problems and contradictions of capitalist society that often appear to be just the result of one political leader, but are obviously much more deeply rooted. So when you talk about change, when you talk about transformative change, when you talk about revolution, you have to do more than just take on the political regime, but to take on the deeper underlying system, or else you're just as likely to end up with a failed dream 
as a victorious liberation. And that's going to do it for us here today on the Punch-Out 119-21 Tuesday. We'll be back with you tomorrow and for the rest of the week, at least until Friday, as we always are, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here on Breakthrough News. That's the Punch-Out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom.